0: Again, Paul has probably never been physically to this church. Uh, he was near, relatively near, in Ephesus, but the, the gospel spread down the valley to to these Colossians, and they started a small church there. And Paul, who is far, far away from them now, is writing a letter to them, encouraging them. And we don't really know whether uh, the what we call sort of the Colossian heresy is full blown, or Paul just sees it beginning. But that really is not terribly relevant. What's relevant is Paul is is teaching here some incredibly powerful truths that he knows are going to be helpful to this little congregation as they battle and fight for the gospel and for the truth in the days and weeks and months ahead. And as they battle not only the world from the outside, but some false teaching that is beginning to, to creep in on the inside that could really destroy the church. And so let's look together at the second chapter of Colossians, and let's look at verse 8. And I'm going to talk about three things real quickly. By the way, here's what often happens. I think it was Sinclair Ferguson I heard say this one time. Here's what often happens. A believer, a new believer will come to Christ, right? I mean, their their life is radically changed and their whole outlook, their whole worldview, uh, they they become a Christian and they're they're joyful in that and life is different and, and now I'm a believer and I have this new hope and this new life. But then, then they begin to realize I'm still in my flesh. And all these sinful urges, they really haven't completely gone away. And I keep falling back into temptation, into sin. And oftentimes when either immature Christians or new Christians or believers who are not doctrinally sound, when they have a life that they, 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 they begin to experience where they sort of feel like I'm not living up the standard and I don't know why I continue to want to sin and I don't know why I continue to f- battle and fight for the gospel, why, why, why don't I want to spend time reading God's Word, why do I tend to want to go back to the things of the world? At that point, young believers, immature believers, believers who don't have solid foundation in doctrine can fall prey to some false teachers who come to them and say to them, listen, there's something you're missing here. There's something you're missing here. And when you read Colossians, you'll see that there's a, there's a theme, that many themes, but there's a word that seems to summarize it all, fullness. And Paul is saying there's a fullness in Christ. You're not missing anything in Christ. But even today, you'll have some who will tell you you need a second kind of blessing, a second kind of experience, something that takes you to a different level than other Christians have, that this is one place, but you need to have something that takes you somewhere else. And so Paul's going to just go through three real quickly that are becoming evident, perhaps in this church now or will be soon, and he's aware of it. The first one he says, verse 8, see that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions, according to the element of the spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And then he goes this wonderful sermon, really. In him, it's not just... You're not just saved, you are in him. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body, the flesh, the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, which you also raised with him through the powerful working of God who raised him the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, God has made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespass, trespasses by concealing the record Of the debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Paul says, Don't fall to vain philosophies. Someone who comes and tells you you need something else, you're not quite complete, there's something missing. He says, There's nothing missing in what's happened to you. And then secondly, in verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in the questions of food or drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Again, verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going into details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God if with Christ you died to the eternal elements of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations don't handle don't taste don't touch referring to things that will perish according to human precepts and teachings look at verse 23 these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So here, Paul, in the, in the first part, he's dealing with sort of some vain philosophies. Now, by, by the way, they're in Greece, all right? <laughs> These people who've been converted are Greek. They're, they're Greek generationally. And these things of, of philosophy, that was a lifestyle of the Greeks to talk about philosophies. And so when, they began to, when these new believers began to run into some problems and difficulties, it just seemed sort of normal to, well, let's look at what we could find out philosophically about this. Are we missing something? Is there something that I don't have that I need? And then... Also, legalism. There were, some, there were some Jews in this, belief, in this group, and, and, you know, their, their whole thing was, was, was the law. I think that over 600 laws that they had identified in the Old Testament they had to obey, and they were, they were terribly important to obey those laws. And so the legalism is still part of their DNA to some degree. And so when, when the believers begin to stumble and get into problems, well, then let's just jump right to legalism. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. Sometimes we fall into that trap. And then even asceticism, which is even more severe of of removing things from us. And Paul says, even in verse 23, these do have an appearance of wisdom. Maybe this will help. Maybe this will make a difference. If I'm struggling in my Christian life, if I'm battling sin, if I don't find any joy, if I don't find any hope, maybe I need to add some kind of philosophy to what I'm doing. Maybe I don't see it all. Or maybe I need to be more legalistic and, and obey more rules and refuse more things. And, or maybe I just need to be more ascetic and just give up on things and, 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 and endure hardship and, and have a martyr complex. There's something missing. And Paul wants to make it abundantly clear. There is absolutely nothing missing. And he brings it home in these next words of chapter 3. If you have been raised with Christ, you don't. This, this is what you do. When you feel discouraged, when you feel despondent, when you feel as though you're not living the way Christ would want you to live, when you daily, like Paul understood, you battle sin every day this side of heaven, this corruptible has not yet put on incorruption. This mortal has not yet put on immortality. And Paul said, daily I beat my body in submission, lest I'm not worthy of the gospel that I preach. Paul understood the daily battle, but he also understood the victory. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of the earth. You're not going to be transformed by some philosophy that kind of plays games with how you live. You know, Oprah <laughs> or, or Joel Osteen. I'm sorry, but you're not... Those things seem enticing. If I could just think it, if I could just... If I could just move to some higher level... You're not. They also, you're not going to make it by just being more legalistic and obeying more rules... You're not going to make it by just denying yourself certain things. None of that is going to transform you or give you... Again, Paul says there's certainly something that seems perhaps helpful in that, but at the end of the day, it doesn't transform you because look at what you do have. You were dead, and now you're alive. You share in Christ, in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. So when you feel discouraged when you feel despondent, when you become grumpy, when you become irritable with people, when you're ready to just let people have it because you're tired of hanging out with them and you're tired of hearing all of their stuff, when you're, when you're short patience with your kids, with your parents, with your spouse, with the people you work with, the people in your church, the answer isn't vain philosophies or legalism or asceticism. The answer is to set your mind on the things that are above not on the things of the earth I believe it was St. Clair Ferguson who asked this question and if you don't hear anything else I say today this is worth coming to church for what do you think of when you've got nothing to think of what do you think of when you've got nothing else to think about where does your mind go If you and I can think on the things of Christ, to think on his glory and his beauty, we are united with him. Look, you know, when I think about my marriage. I don't go home in the evening and, and pull out the marriage certificate and look at it and go, all right, look, I'm really, this is, this is where my joy is, is in this document that shows that I'm married. No, the joy comes in my wife. In spending time with her, in seeing her, in loving her, and and the joy you need to find as a Christian is found in Christ. Yes, you've been converted. Yes, you've been redeemed, and that's great and it was glorious. But our joy is found in Him. Look to Him for your joy. Look to Him for your satisfaction. Put your mind on the things that are his. Think about him. I've told you so many times, get an old hymnal. When you're discouraged, despondent, or even when you're not discouraged, despondent, you just got a few minutes on your hand. Pull out that old hymnal and begin to read the lines from some of those hymns. Just like we sang a moment ago, just just that little line, all to Jesus I surrender. And then just stop after you read that line and say, Lord, there are things in my life I have not given to you. And I want to surrender them to you right now. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I mean, and just pray through those hymns. Take a psalm and begin to read a psalm and pray through that psalm. And I promise you this, dear believer, your heart will be transformed. You will find what you're looking for. Set your mind, Paul said, not on the things of this world, not on vain philosophies or on legalism or asceticism. Those things seem okay, and there's always somebody to come and tell you, "You, yeah, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to be better. Take this book. Read this. Do this. Do that. Paul says, look to Christ. You've been dead, and now you're alive. You've been buried. He says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with the Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on those things that are above, not on the things of the earth. Believers... One of the reasons we get so drained and, and, and brought down and we battle so much is that we think we find our joy in the temporary things of this world. And we don't. Find your joy in Christ, in his beauty, in his glory, in his fullness, and we'll talk more about that because it's going to be amazing. For verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden With Christ in God. Now that's deep. If you're a believer and and you've been regenerate and Jesus has has redeemed you and you've trusted him by faith and and, and he is your savior, your old life is gone. You're dead and your identity is in Christ and you're hidden with him in God. And that's not just you, but that's the person seated next to you if they're a believer and a member of this church. Well, there you go. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's just, that's, that's, that's you, that's the person sitting next to you, so that we have more patience with one another. Because we know in every sense of the word that that believer next to us, their life is hidden in Christ's In God with Christ as well. In other words, it doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. And sometimes to the world, it looks like, it's just like when Jesus came to this world, there were many who looked at him and said, I don't see that. When he died on the cross, there was the one thief who looked at him and said, you're nothing, nothing but a liar. Because if you really were the son of God, you would come down and you would bring us with you but he was hidden in god not yet fully completely revealed the same thing as i said a moment ago when paul says brethren it doth not yet appear what we shall be but one day we shall be like him You're not all you're going to be, but one day you will be. Your spouse is not all they're going to be, but one day they will be. The people in this church that sometimes irritate you and rub you the wrong way, they're just like you. They're not all they're going to be. Their life is hidden with Christ in God. But one day, listen to what he says. When Christ, verse 4, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your mind on these things. There'll be a day, there'll be a day when Christ is going to glorify all of us who are his children. Those who've already died and are in heaven, but not yet in a, in a, in a new body. Those, if we're still alive, remember, when he comes again, it's as though... Everything about our redemption is individual. You were saved one by one. You, you, weren't, you weren't saved in a whole group. I mean, Jesus convicted you individually, right, and, and drew you to himself, and you confessed your sin, and some of you were 8 and 12, and some of you were 20, and some of you were 40, and some of you were in church, and some of you were at home, and some of you were at a camp, and it was all different. And so your salvation experience is very unique to you and very individual, but there's one experience that we're all going to experience at the same moment and the same time, and that's when we get this glorified body, This when the Son looks at the Father and says, I'm bringing them all with me. The ones you gave me before the foundation of the world, the ones that I died to redeem... My bride, I'm bringing them all. And in one moment, in one instance, we'll, all of us will be glorified together. That's our hope. That's our joy. That's our certainty. And so when Paul's talking to these Christians in Colossia. he's saying, look, don't fall prey to thinking that you're missing something here on this earth, that there's something else you got to add to your Christianity, some philosophy, some legalism, some asceticism, something that will give you what you need. You've got everything you need in Christ now and forevermore. He is your fullness. So when you come to these difficult times, think on him, look into him, know that your life is hidden in God with Christ. Your future is bound to him. And when he comes, he will bring you into your complete glory to be with him. Think about these things. Let let your mind marinate on those things. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Oh, Christian and believer, there's enough in Jesus to bring you what you need. Daily look to him. Daily train your mind to think upon him. Daily train your heart to love him. Spend time with him. Be intelligent about it. You know, as a a spouse, you and I both know there are times we have to We have to work hard at our marriage and and we have to discipline ourselves to, to think of our spouse and to love our spouse and put our spouse first. And when we do that, we begin to see them and love them even more. And in every sense of the word, that's what we do with Christ. We think about him. We love him. We remember the gospel. We know how far we've been and how far we've come and what our glorious future yet is. And our joy is not found in a philosophy or legalism or asceticism. Our joy is found in Jesus Christ. And that's true for us and for those who sit around us who are his children. And none of us are yet perfect. And we all are going to struggle with sin this side of heaven. But the cure for struggling with sin is not our own ability to beat it or battle it. It's not the philosophy of some other people. The cure to battling sin is to see Jesus even more. To love him even more. To remember how much he's done for you even more. To know what your hope of glory is even more. To remember you've been dead and buried and raised with Christ even more. And for those of us who are in the pastoral ministry, that's a large part of what it means to be a pastor. is just to remind people of those things. To remind them in days when they feel uncertain. Days when they're battling sin. Days when they feel backslidden to remind them of where they are and who they are in Christ and what he's done for them and that their salvation is assured because of what Jesus has done and whoever the father has given him, no man can pluck them out of my hand and he has gone to prepare a place for you in his father's house and he will come again and receive you that where he is, you will be also and one day he will bring to his father a glorified bride all of us one day there'll be a day when we're never going to battle sin again there'll be a day when we're never going to be tempted again there'll be a day when we're never going to have an urge every urge we'll have in heaven is going to be to glorify God and to do what's right what a glorious day that will be Paul is just reminding these blessed Christians of what that is. He doesn't want them to lose their joy here on this earth by chasing a false doctrine that actually may sound good on the surface but brings them no ultimate hope, no ultimate joy, and will ultimately lead them worse off than they were before. Because there's no philosophy that can remove your sin. There's no amount of legalism that can take away your guilt. There's no asceticism that can take away the sense that you are broken. The only thing that can do that is Jesus. And so when Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And how do you set your mind on the things that are above? You read his word every day. You listen to good music that glorifies and edifies him. You listen to good preaching every day and Bible teaching. You spend time with him every day in prayer. As I said, you take an old hymnal and you read through it every day. And I promise you, if you're a child of God, your heart will begin to warm toward him and you'll begin to see him in all of his fullness. And you realize everything you need is in him doesn't mean you're not going to have any more problems or any more troubles. It doesn't mean you're not going to have days when you're going to feel discouraged and defeated. It doesn't mean there's not going to be times when you're going to fall back into sin and do things you shouldn't do. But it does mean you know what the pathway is to get out of that, is to confess your sin and trust him and return to him and see him in all of his glory and all of his resurrection power. And you have all that you need in Christ. You do not need Christ in something else. That's what Paul is saying. And this man who's in prison and going to die is saying, all I need is Christ. So all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. He's your joy. He's your constant companion. He's your comforter. He's your guide. He will never leave you or forsake you. You are loved beyond any way you could ever imagine being loved and cared for. He will never let you down.